Welcome to Hollow Hearts 101 with Dr. Jackie Del Rosario, America's Marriage Coach. This episode, we break down a lot of different things. I'm actually a guest on this episode. And we talk about the excuse riddle communication between millennials and Generation Z. And she opens up with talking about how people say they want to be healed, but then they have their own check marks about how they wanted to make it happen. Dr. Jackie gets a little bit deeper on this one. So go ahead and buckle up and get ready for a great episode. Hey, Dr. Jackie here, and I have a really engaging topic that I think is so timely, especially since we're dealing with COVID and, oh my goodness, people have really begun to understand the importance of good, sound mental health. I think that we've all been pressed into a new place. And so understanding our wellness has really moved center stage for most of us. So I really want to talk about the topic, how so many people want to be healed, but they place parameters on the how. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. Hey, Dr. Jackie, I want to be healed, but I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. So many people want to be healed, but they place parameters on how they can be healed. Well, I really want to talk about what I think are really key ingredients to healing. First of all, I think that if you're living on the planet called Earth, everyone's going to need some form of healing at some time or another simply because life hurts. It's also the most beautiful experience we can ever have, but to temper out the joy and the greatness about life and living, there's also that other side, which is the painful side, which kind of leaves us sometimes marred, scarred, and sometimes discouraged. It's a part of life. I think that we have to really begin to frame life around the proper paradigm. It's not that things happen to you, it's just that it's life. So I want to begin with that because there's so many people that think that so many things are happening to them. And that's kind of like a victim mentality. What do you think about that, Michelle? I want to invite Michelle Ferguson to the platform. I mean, I think it's true. I think that we have a, a lot of things hitting you at one time. You kind of get that what was me mentality. Why is this happening to me? Instead of the why not me. Mm-hmm. A lot of things about why not me. Um, I'm really big on sometimes we serve as a proxy for somebody else mm-hmm. thinking about that. Um, what talk, do you mean by proxy? That sometimes take the hit for someone else. Like we all talk about, we want to cleanse our bloodline. We don't want our generation to have to suffer. Well, in order that to happen, somebody has to interrupt it. And if you're that that chain or that thing that's going to interrupt that cycle, where you're going to have to go through some things for that to be broken. Oh, absolutely. So what you're really saying is you're saying that um, somebody has to take the lead for change, yeah. and that sometimes we have to be the breaker. Yes, we're the person that sets what was twisted straight. Absolutely. So, so it could be, for example, my family, everybody in my family is divorced. But now you rise up and you're that first person that says, you know what? I'm going to do the work on this thing called marriage. And I'm going to make sure that I don't follow in that trend. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Even some things that are even more detrimental, um, like uh, sexual abuse within the family. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that you have to be the chain breaker by being vocal and saying, this happened to me. This person hurt me mm-hmm. and knowing the signs of that. Mm-hmm. It's ugly, especially in the black community. Nobody stays in the family. You know, it happens here. You don't go outside of that. But in order to break that, you have to be willing sometimes to be the black sheep and mm-hmm. step out of the uh, out of your confines and the parameters, even the paradigm of your own family system. But ooh, what about the pain and the hurt? I can just imagine. I'm, I'm hearing people that are listening, cringing, saying, who wants to take that? It almost reminds me of our uh, political system now. We know that we don't have good leadership. And there's so many leaders hiding behind rocks. 
But who's willing to stand up and say, you know what? Count me in. I know I have the heart for it. I want to do the right thing for my constituents. But I think what keeps so many of them back is the idea of the pain, because what we see that's happening out there is horrific. So what about being healed could be a distraction for us? I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, you mentioned um, in your bio, as uh, I was reading up on you, that, you know, some people don't want to be healed because it hurts. Go ahead and explain what you meant by that. Um, when you have emotional hurt, it's, it translates even also into physical hurt. And most people don't want to feel that death of pain and hurt in their body. Um, even though healing, you know, you, like you say before, I've said before, it's just one big swoop. Just like if you go in, you know, you go into your doctor's office and you, you know, get a procedure done. But it's that gun-wrenching pain and it's the unknown of, I don't know how long I'm going to feel this pain is what scares people. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to feel this pain and this intense magnification. I'm going to try to self-soothe myself, whether it's drugs or alcohol or with another person. But here's the wonderful thing about um, pain. Well, let's talk about, let, before I get to the pain, let's talk about what we need to do to be healed because I want to bring it back full circle. A lot of people don't want to be healed, you're mentioning, because they're afraid of the pain. I think that there's two keys that we need to keep in mind to unlock our healing for our future. Number one, we have to really be intentional about wanting to be healed. I think there's a lot of people, sometimes you're trying to raise the dead and the dead don't want to be raised. Absolutely. They like being a victim. They want to continue in their suffering because it brings them something that they didn't have. It could be attention. It could be the fact that they get sympathy or empathy from people. Um, it could be that that's what's familiar to them is their pain, so they want to live in it. So I'm not really talking to those people, right? I think this podcast is for those people that are saying, hey, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, but I know that there's somebody better living on the inside of me that's trapped because of this pain that wants to get out and live a fuller and a more richer life. So I'm speaking to those people. You know you're all that, or you think that you used to be, but because of what happened to you, you feel that you're somehow diminished because you're afraid, you're almost gun shy, afraid to come out and to be who you once were. Because when you once were this person, your hopes were dashed, your feelings were crushed. You believed and somehow it didn't turn out the way that you saw it. First of all, you have to be intentional. You have to decide that I wanna be healed. And that's by making a sound decision. I tell people all the time, just say yes. Say to yourself, yes, I want to be healed and I'm going to be healed. And people don't do it. They look at me like, you know, they want something more complex for me to tell them. But something happens on the inside of you when you say yes. And it has to be a verbal yes that you say to yourself. And then everything in your cerebral cortex, it neur neurally, everything begins to change. Things begin to fire different because you made a decision and you put your foot down on this particular issue that I will be healed. So guess what? Everything around you will now transform and realign with your yes. Once again, for all of our first time listeners for Hollow Hearts 101, we take the time to pause for you to understand, digest what was actually just said and ask some questions to yourself and really reflect on what was just said. For this particular episode of this section, some of the questions that you should probably be thinking about are, are you saying yes to your own healing? Are you being an obstacle to your own healing? Are you willing to embrace what it is in order to grow and be nurtured again? Or are you being an obstacle to your own success? 
So that is the beginning. Be intentional, make a decision. I say that the second key is be willing to do the work. So the work might involve pain. Yes, I can agree that it is going to be some pain involved because you will have to maybe relive the trauma, but only for an instant. So I'm thinking about it like this. Suppose you had appendicitis. You know, people that have appendicitis, they're balled up literally in pain. They're usually vomiting. They might even have diarrhea. It's a horrible state to be in. The pain, is, as has been described to me, is worse than childbirth, from what I've been told from women that are mothers. But once they make that incision, which is going to hurt, because you're going to be sore for several days, but once they make that incision and remove that thing, think about it. It's no longer working. It's no, no longer fruitful. It is now becoming toxic and dangerous to their well-being. The doctor goes in, the surgeon removes it. From that day on, the pain begins to diminish. You're going to be sore for a little bit, but in that progression of healing, it starts at that moment. So I want to encourage my listeners to understand, yeah, you might have a little bit of pain, but it's pain that has an end date. So it has an expiration date. Whereas if you don't go for the healing, you'll continue to not only have that pain ongoing for years and years and even decades, but that pain will, will certainly cause more pain for you. And you might be saying, well, what do you mean by that, Dr. Jackie? How can this pain cause additional pain? Very simple. Pain has a way of creating new behaviors from us. We develop these workarounds. And I know that you all have heard about triggers and defense mechanisms. All of these things change us from our true essence, the greatness, the great persons that we are. So now maybe we're gun shy, so we begin to cover ourselves, make ourselves small. We're afraid of embracing other people. Could be the very people that we need to embrace. Here's something that I realized. Usually people that are deliverers, right, or rescuers, they're people that have, they're dynamic individuals. They're forthright. They, they're strong. They speak strongly. Can you imagine if you're someone that's, uh, um, you've been injured, and so maybe now you're very sensitive. You're sensitive to tone. You might be sensitive to vocabulary. And that deliverer, that savior might come to you and be speaking to you, but because of your past wounds, you might not be able to take just their affect, the way that they talk or the way that they carry themselves. You might be offended by it, but they're the very ones that are coming to deliver you, to help you. Um, so you wanna be healed so that you can be the best version of yourself possible. And so that you don't continue to live your life working through uh, defense mechanisms, triggers, and shooting yourself in the foot. So that's what I mean about how pain can really impact your future. Anything you want to add to that, Michelle? I agree. Um, it's sometimes it's hard to decide that yes, I want to. I want to go through this pain. Mm -hmm. um, and it is like a birthing process. I mean, that I can assume I have not birthed children yet. Um, <laughs> But I think it's also this fear of who am I going to be without this badge or this scar on me anymore. Sometimes mm. that's scary. Um, I've been used to being this hurt person. I know why I do the things that I do because this happened to me. Then when you remove that, well, who am I going to be now? Mm. And people are going to like that. You're going to awesome. be better. You're going to be better, but people don't know that they're going to be better. They're afraid that people aren't going to like this new version of me. But you have to like the new version of you, and that has to be enough. And know that the people that's going to be in your life 
are going to be conducive to this new version of you, this healthy, happy version of you. And you don't want other people in your life anyway because they're probably gleaming from your hurt and your brokenness. I was just going to say that. that. Yeah, you listen, those people that you're scared of losing probably aren't good for you because yeah. they're, they're attached to the old Michelle, Absolutely. the bruised up, hurt, wounded Michelle. But honey, when the Michelle comes out that's wearing that S on her chest and has that cape that she pulls out of her purse, yep. those are the people that you want to be joined to that person. They're the people that can take you into your next. So that's a really good point that you brought up there. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to become. I was going to say similarly that sometimes you will lose people around you because they don't want the new person. But that's all well and good. You know, there's a law of displacement. You need them to move out of the way so that the real people that are supposed to be around you in the constellation around your life can come and inhabit those places. To me, that's powerful. Are you willing to be scared a little bit to be healed? Are you clinging on to your old identity too much and not embracing the new identity that you're meant to become? Are you surrounded by people who want to heal you? and want to see you progress? Or are you surrounded by people who tell you to relax and kind of embrace the pain? Because life is full of pain, right? Take this time to reflect on these questions. Hello, it's Dr. Jackie, and I'm back with our next topic, which I think is really, really exciting for me. I want to talk about the excuse-ridden communication that's really prevalent with millennials and Gen Z. And look, y'all, I hope you have nothing but love for me because I'm going I'm to hit it and then I'm going to quit it. Mm. And I really want to talk about the real facts. You might not like it, but I'm going to tell you like it is. First of all, I want to talk about how important real interpersonal communication is your ability to communicate with someone to read their verbal and their your their visual cues you need to be reading their body language you need to be able to read their facial um, um, how they're emoting um, their facial expressions all of these things really help us with interpersonal communication mm. and it builds in us um, emotional intelligence and I think that that's really lacking in our younger generations. They just don't really have that way of connecting <clears throat> on a multiple levels. They just don't connect on multiple levels. They don't know how to really process what they see from one another because I think that they spend so much time relating through these platforms instead of in person. It almost seems to me it's like it's preferred. Mm. You're sitting at a table and you have people sitting there and eating together and they're literally texting each other at the same dinner table instead of just speaking out loud. With that, I'm going to join, uh, have join us Xavier Robertson. If you can kind of weigh in, Xavier, mm -hmm. and tell us what you think about my statement. I think that's very, very accurate. And I think as a result of social media and a result of just how we communicate now, we are able to communicate on the surface. And a lot of times we like to stay on the surface because the surface is safe. And if you get deeper than the surface, that's where... You have to actually deal with people's traumas. You start to start to share a little bit more. Um, being a person that moved around a lot, military kid, a lot of people communicate on the surface. And then after you talk to them on your first or second iteration, you start to realize there's something deeper there. But then we also have behaviors because we've been hurt to keep people at the surface. And so it's a lot easier and it's a lot safer, I would say, 
to communicate with somebody and not really have to engage or not really tell them the reason about why I'm doing stuff. But, but isn't there a little bit of denial here? Because you're saying, well, we don't want to deal with their traumas and so forth, so we're going to keep it on the surface and that it's safer. Mm-hmm. Actually, I want to really tussle with you on that. Mm-hmm. I think it's less safe. It's more dangerous because you're assuming that all is well. And what we don't recognize is that triggers and defense mechanisms on the surface still are in effect. It's just that you don't have the wherewithal to drill down to really recognize that that is what's transpiring. Number two, if I understand who you are, I know how I should interact with with that individual. Not knowing for me is a deficit. It puts me in the position of a deficit. So I think that what I was really going towards was how when we stay surfacey, I think that your generation misses the opportunity to really mature as they should. Mm -hmm. We have these developmental milestones that we have to accomplish. So when a man doesn't accomplish certain developmental milestones, they're thwarted in their growth and there's certain aspects of them that are underdeveloped. And so they're unable to be fruitful in their lives in those regards. Mm. So think about it. If you're unable to develop emotionally, Will you try now to use these platforms to keep yourself in this so-called safe area versus really understanding the human emotions, understanding human beings, how they emote, how they how 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 to create good interaction. How do we learn except through our trial and error? Mm. You know, you learn by the things that didn't work right. And you say, OK, don't do that anymore. You know, I was a little girl. My mom said, don't touch the stove. But I wanted these cookies that she had up there. And I made a mistake and touched the eye and it hadn't cooled down yet. And so I burned my hand. I learned from that. Don't do that anymore or touch really quickly to make sure that it's cool before I put my hand there. We learn in much the same way. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward into the future and I'm wondering, what is the future going to look like? How do we build the families that make America great if we're too afraid to develop these close, intimate relationships. I don't know if you agree, but I believe everybody's in search of love. Everybody Mm -hmm. wants emotional connections, intimate connections with individuals. Well, I believe our generation struggles from the cake if you, we want our cake and eat it too. People want to have those same deep, really resonant um, relationships. However, the work, the vulnerability, what that takes, a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. So we have our phenomenon, situationships, where we have people who are communicating on the surface, but doing things that are deeper and more towards a relationship without actually getting to the heart and the root of it. Seeing that if they actually do communicate for real and actually get in depth with, with the other person that they're interacting with, this was this is a good time for now, but it'll never be a good time for long term. And I think a lot of people are sacrificing the long term for feeling good now. And we have a lot of people who as a result, I think our next generation will suffer from having so many different people in their pool, so many different people that were part of who they once were. Do you agree with me? <laughs> I'm curious. Do you believe that a lot of people are sacrificing the long term for right now? And are you guilty of doing that yourself? Because that's when I go berserk. Again, I go back to what really makes sense and what the facts are. So if you're hurt and you're trying to be safe, think about that, mm-hmm. how illogical this is. So now I'm just gonna have all these situationships 
that's putting me more at risk of getting hurt. Yes. More at risk of getting disease. Mm-hmm. More. I mean, all of that because you're now going for quantity instead of quality. But that's what pe- that's. Now I'm, I just said something there. Yeah, now with you that. did. You did. You're going for quantity versus quality when really what you're after all along is somebody quality. to really love you and someone that you can really love. And I think a lot of people are scared. I think vulnerability is the biggest is the biggest key to true intimacy. Mm-hmm. But so many people are scared of what that is because they don't know what it's like. Or even worse, they've seen someone who attempted it mm-hmm. and saw the devastation. Um, well, I want to do this because I want to give people an answer. Mm-hmm. I want to give them answers. One of my, but I'm going to do like a little role play with you. Okay, okay. So I want you to get your mind in the game. Like, right. what does your game sound like? Because that's what we're going to work through. All right. <clears throat> but I want to say to people, you know, we all try to cheat love because we think that we can stay safe and get as much love out of somebody else while not giving ourselves fully and also not opening ourselves up and being fully vulnerable. That's why you don't get what you want. Love requires vulnerability. So what, instead of being afraid of giving your love to someone, your real thing should be, I need to focus on learning the skill sets, such as how to choose someone who's compatible with me, since compatibility is 80% of the success equation. Learn how to choose people that are compatible with you. How do you do that, Dr. Jackie? First of all, you need to know who you are. What is it that you want versus what you don't want? What is it that you need versus what you don't need? And that begins to develop the blueprint that's going to map out how to select who you want in your life. The person that's appropriate, that's suitable, that's compatible, right? And not worrying about how do I not give? So once you find those individuals that are well suited for you, now you should be able to give. But again, you don't. There's a saying that says "fools rush in," so you don't want to just rush in. You want to start the relationship and you want to pace so that you can figure out what are their limits, what is their capacities, what is their capacity to love, what is their capacity to give love, so that you make sure now that you're matched there as well. What I'm going to tell you, and you might be mad at me, but to me, one of the biggest problems for younger generations, you guys get sexually entwined before you even make sure that they've passed the screening process. Because she looked good. I understand she looks good, but <laughs> you said that you guys want to avoid hurt. Exactly. Right? But it's oxymoronic in our culture because that's the first thing. You go for the, like, I remember um, one thing my father's always says, you going, you're going for a union that's supposed to be with one person and you don't even know this person's last name. And so now... As you start to learn this person, you start to realize how incompatible we are, how we're not supposed to really be together, but we've bonded in the most intimate way. So Already. Now, mm-hmm. So, so now it's just, now. now you're rocking back and forth the whole yeah. time. Now you're trying to <laughs> shuffle and figure out how can you make Miss Wrong into Miss Right. Exactly. Right? Have you ever made Miss Wrong into Miss Right? Or Mr. Wrong into Mr. Right? Have you ever bonded so fast that you realized that you had no idea who the person you were sleeping with truly was. Yeah, I've been there before, but I think it's time for you to reflect and realize that there's other alternative ways to get to know people on a very intimate level. Take this time to reflect. on just like what's your game look like so i'm mm-hmm. this i'm just pretend i'm this sexy chick mm-hmm. you know you meet me and 
So what does it sound like? Is, is this something that you're, you're typing, you're texting me? Is this something that's going on in an app? Are we in person? What's happening? Depends on the type of person. I'm gonna come up and say, hi, what's your name? How you doing? Mm -hmm. And then um, figuring out, one, the new me was gonna figure out if you're available or not. Yeah. <laughs> so the old you didn't even care. Because if he was really of substance, you wouldn't entertain me. That's mm. how. That's what my thought process was. Xavier, I know it was pro it was you problematic. It <laughs> was oh problematic God. because it's, it's not my fault that you. It's not my fault that you are with someone who can't satisfy you in the ways that you want to be satisfied. When I see that, just sounds sexual, all, all in itself. No, well, there's really. there's where well, there's other way. You know, if you're not emotionally satisfied, if you if the person's not funny, mm. the person doesn't dance. I know what type of person I am, mm. and because I know that, if that's what you're looking for. We can at least, you know, dance, mm -hmm. talk, and then see if it needs to escalate from there. But primarily, that's why I'm going to ask. Who okay. are you? Are you available? Would you like to have a drink? Would you like to go dance? What is it that you're interested in? And then I'll circle the block. Circle the block? What does that mean? If we're going to be in the same... If, we, if I know we're in a club setting, and y'all know you ain't going nowhere, I'm going to go leave you be, and I'm going to come back around. Oh, wow. Because, you know, women, women do not want the man who's going to hover over you. So I'm going to go show you that, hey, you're not the only one here. Mm. So I'm glad I got the role play going. So I can, now this is in the mind of Xavier. Mm -hmm. right? okay. and, and I'm sure that there's a lot of young men that feel the same way. Um, but so I'm available now. Mm -hmm. what's, what's step two? Step two. All right. I'm trying to figure out what your interests are. But subtly, you don't go, hey, so how are you doing today? Do you like to go golf? Like, no, to figure out. So what brought you here to this spot? What you have going on? Do you stay in the city? Do you not stay in the city? What is it that you're looking for? That's the type of conversations I have. What is it that you're looking for? What do you want from that answer? Um, trying to figure out if this is the type of, based off those answers, you can find, kind of figure out what type of chick this is and if what type of situation this could potentially be. It depends if I want to entertain it or not. Now, you know what? Now, I'm really serious, Xavier. Mm -hmm. I can't hardly figure out anything <clears throat> from that information. No, for There's from, not very much depth at all, so yeah, to, our, to your point, right? Yeah, so that's the type of conversation. But based off that, if you're available, yes. Are you in, do you live here? If you live here, okay. If you if you do live here, then that means this could be a relationship or this could be a situationship. If you don't live here, there's only a couple of things that we can really do. We can either be friends or we'd be hit it and quit it. And so that's how you can pursue with that. Based off that, if I'm approaching you, you're already attractive. So that's one thing I'm not even worried about. Second, are you with somebody? Do you have a crew? Do you have friends? Figuring out who you really rock with. Based on who you rock with, I already know what type of person I'm dealing with. If I see you rocking with the crazy chicks or the chicks that seem to be, you know, Getting, getting drinks bought out, stuff like that. Okay, that's who your roster is. That's who you are around. Mm -hmm. I know what type of chick you are by default to a certain degree. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more, but I'm not going to, I only talk to you about five, 10 minutes, but based off who you with and the response to those questions, I'm going to decide if I want to pursue that or not. So, and what's the end game here? The end game, depending on, it depends on the man. Some men, the end game is the bed sheets. For me, gone through enough, my end game is to really trying to figure out if this woman is going to check off other parameters. So we'll make link up for a date later, see if we really rock together. In a couple of days to see what qualifies and what not qualifies based off my own parameters. But another man, that's all they need to know. Mm -hmm. You in town, you fine. My, my end goal is the, is the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Most men, I would say, 50% of men know how to communicate well enough or at least have a certain type of script that they go through mentally where they can be able to, all right, see if this chick is really about that same action. And most women are on that same type of vibe, especially now. Even more so, they might appro approach you with that same type of energy. So, 
Um, is so they're really, only interested in the physical. Exactly. So based off those com- those conversations, you can kind of those questions I ask, you can kind of dictate where you want to go with it. Well, to me, this makes it very clear for me. But so uh, it, I guess what I was really digging for is if this is someone that you're interested in, I really wanted to know like what sort of conversation would you have with them. So that I can understand the level of development of your interpersonal skills, the oh. level of development in your um, maturation, mm-hmm. because, you know, a mature person communicates very differently. And we're not afraid. Like you said immediately, like I wouldn't ask her, like, what are you into? What? Why not? <laughs> because that's how you get the more direct an answer. A, a question is, I feel you ask the right question, you get the right answer. Mm-hmm. So I just noticed how um, a lot of what you were conversing with with this person is very surface is extremely surface Mm -hmm. but i wanted you to i wanted to see if you had any tips for people that were really wanting someone serious because i have to i have to tell you the biggest question that i get from single people is always the same how do i find someone to love and they they're all saying that they've looked and that everybody's only in the one thing which is the sex Mm -hmm. and i really have to say Break away from the pack. Be your own person. I don't care what everybody else is doing. It doesn't mean that you have to do it. And sometimes you might be looking at that diamond in the rough, but because you're following the herd, you don't find him. You just get stampeded. Mm -hmm. So I think that you can have uh, a man that might be just doing what you're doing, just sourcing, just trying to figure out, is, is she the one or shall I look for another? But if you as the woman doesn't approach him or respond to him back, showing like, you know, who you really are, what your standards really are, what your target really is, then you'll never know. Mm -hmm. I always say this, that rejection is not an indication that there's anything wrong with you. So I think that people have to be, they have to stop being concerned about being rejected. Instead, I feel like they have to be more about recognizing what rejection really means. It means that that person was not meant to travel with you in life Mm -hmm. at that time. So it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It just means that you're not their person. You're not the right person for mm-hmm. them. In a, in a nutshell, it saves you from anger, disappointment, hurt, because now you know that's not your watering hole. Keep going until you find the one that is. And so I'm hoping that that would ho- hopefully realign someone's thought process around, you know, the dating scene mm-hmm. when somebody doesn't select them. Men mm-hmm. are always looking. They're yeah. looking to select they're wondering, are you my rib or not? And so there's things that they go through processes to see if you are. And if they look close enough and you have some of those characteristics, a lot of times they'll start wanting to date you because they want to get a better look. Yeah. You know, that's normally the second question. You know, if you realize based off based off what you say and based off how I see you act, then there's a follow up question. Uh, a follow up question more times than not, I'll get your number or I'll just ask you outright. Yo, I'm really attracted to you. There's some things I want to know a little bit more about. Are you available next week or not? Mm-hmm. And then they'll tell me the time. I'll book a reservation. I'll send it to them. And then we we, we figure it out. Figure that out. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can get to that first date. A lot of people can get there. And they know how to escalate to that one point. But after that one point, there's not really a guidebook on how to really date and pursue someone in a way that doesn't end up in the bedroom. Because mm-hmm. we both attractive. We find me attractive. I find you attractive. We going to end up there. But how do we do that? How do we end up in a spot where we really want to be that doesn't involve or taint our mental with sex? And I, it, but, I, but see, I just don't agree with you on that. There's a lot of women, and me included, that decide not to. So they might. So there's people that decide not to, period. 
-hmm. until they're in a committed relationship where they're, they're getting married to that person. There's people that say that they're going to wait until they're married. There's women that wait so many months and date a guy and make certain first. There's men that do the same thing. So I don't agree. I know that for me, when I was in college, the reason why I was abstinent is because I wanted to know for sure that I loved and cared for that person. I wanted to be able to have a clear mind on my evaluation process. Mm. Moreover, I wanted to know for sure that they loved me for me. And so I took sex out because I didn't want it being confusing anything, confusing my mind nor confusing their mind. And it worked very well for me. One thing I tell you, ladies, if you want to get a man, a real man, uh, after telling them no, that's like an aphrodisiac. Lord have mercy. It's like they just, they can't get enough of you mm -hmm. because men are meant to pursue. They're, they are meant to uh, seek a woman out and to pursue her. And it just seems to bring to life the very innate nature of a man. And I think that what's happening is that we're treating men like they're lions in the zoo. We're giving them their meat every day. Instead of asking them to go out, allowing them to hunt, which is innately by nature what they're supposed to do, is what they do. And so, I don't know. I think that maybe this is a good place to end our conversation. But mm -hmm. I think I wanted to, to end by just saying, don't shy away from receiving the development of your interpersonal skills, your ability to communicate, develop emotional intelligence, and to mature. Um, there's a maturation benchmark that we all must obtain. And I think that when we're staying shallow in the area of our uh, emotional connections, we do not develop emotionally as men and women. So therefore, we ourselves become a lesser version of who we're meant to be. And therefore, we are unable to tackle life in the way that it needs to be tackled because we just do not have, because we have not developed the assets that are needed to do so. And on that, that's the final word. You heard it from me. And I'm going to put a period dot at the end of that sentence. See you next time. There was a lot, a lot of nuggets in that last section by Dr. G. Um, but here's a couple that I've gotten. And I feel like there's some stuff that you guys should really, we all should really understand and think about and talk about. One, you can't play it safe by, by playing it safe, if you will, in the dating world. You won't be able to really find the love that you truly want. Um, and are you playing it, quotation marks, safe? And are you satisfied with where that's gotten you? Second, what does your conversation look like? Is your conversation service or is it meant for death? your dates escalate to the bedroom or are you trying to be personal standards do you feel like standards are outdated and do you feel like you're the last one of a dying breed let us know in the comment section let us know via instagram and let us know anywhere and everywhere you're hearing this thank you for listening to another episode of hollow hearts 101 with dr jackie Dumbazon, america's Bench Gardner.